Good morning. Today we'll be studying the ninth chapter of Hilchot Shabbat in Harambam. And this chapter is going to deal with the melachot of Afiyah through Bitsi'ah. And just like the previous chapter, uh, this chapter will have 10 melachot, just like the previous chapter. And we'll begin with Afiyah. And the reason why Harambam uh, did not include Afiyah in the previous chapter with Seder Hapat is because Afiyah is very similar to uh, Tsevi'ah uh, and, um, and, and, and that's a possible reason why uh, <clears throat> Harambam added uh, Afiyah with this chapter as Tsevi'ah is included in this chapter as well. And we'll begin with Halakha Aleph. Halakha Aleph. Ha'ofeka gerogeret hayav. Anyone who cooks the equivalent of a gerogeret, as we mentioned, a gerogeret is mehila. Ofafia is baking. Baking. Anyone who bakes. Uh, the amount of a gerogeret, as you mentioned before, is a dried fig, uh, is liable. Anyone who bakes bread or cooks a dish or food or even cooks a, a type of spice or anyone who heats water, uh, noting that uh, here for Harambam, anyone who heats water is Hayav. And this heating of water obviously has to be a heating sufficient um, in order for one to bathe in. And it's related to washing as well. Hakol and Yan Ehad, who all of these uh, different actions or transformations have um, have the same nature. Shiura mehamemetamayim, kedelir hotzbahen ever katan. The temperature one would be liable for if he heats up water is must be hot enough to wash the limb of a uh, child. And the amount that one would have to cook spices in order to be liable would have to be enough that he, uh, it would have to be enough um, for some use of the purpose for which the, whatever he is, the spices or chemicals that he's cooking uh, would have to be used. So, for example, if someone wants to paint and he is cooking uh, different chemicals in order to be used for painting, he has to cook enough of the chemicals so that he can paint. So, if he cooks a very, very small amount, uh, he wouldn't be liable. Anyone who <clears throat> puts in an egg on the side of a kettle in order for it to be cooked. And it was cooked, then that individual is liable. 
As anyone who uh, cooks by using heat generated from a fire is equivalent to uh, cooking with the fire itself. So just because you didn't use the didn't you didn't cook directly with the fire, you were you cooked with heat generated from the fire and you would be liable. And so too, anyone who washes or pours hot water on a salty fish or something called is a type of fish called sol. And it's a fish that's very thin and very soft. One would be liable for that. As once uh, hot water is poured onto these uh, fish, it is the completion of its cooking, and one would be liable. This has various ramifications, and uh, for example, tea, um, as one may suggest that pouring hot water on tea would be the gimar bishul of the tea, uh, but uh, we will not make a pesach halacha here. Halacha gimal, hamafkia et habetza beveged ham ubehol uvavak derachim shehen hamin mipin hashemesh. Af al pi shenitzlet patur. If someone breaks an egg upon a sun-heated cloth, or on heated sand or road dust just like one might possibly do in Saudi Arabia where the roads are very hot there <clears throat> he is exempt as the heat generated by the sun is not equivalent to the heat generated by the fire. As we said before, the heat generated by the fire is equivalent to the fire itself, but heat generated by the sun uh, is not equivalent to heat generated by the fire. And how, despite that, Hachamim uh, prohibited the use of the sun's heat as well. That's why it says patur, as a precaution uh, for the heat generated by the fire. So, <coughs> Anyone, so to anyone who cooks from the natural springs in Tiberias, and anything of the sort is exempt. Anyone who cooks on a fire, anything that was already cooked, or anything that does not need to be cooked at all, is exempt. If one person brought the light, the fire, uh, for the, uh, the light, I'd rather, for the for cooking and another person brought wood and another person places the pot on the stove and then another person pours in the water and another throws in meat and another adds in spices and another comes up and stirs the pot each one of them 
is liable for cooking. As anyone who does one of the uh, actions required for cooking, is as, it is as if he is cooking himself. And notice the order that we're using in this portion of the halakha, that uh, the fire is brought, then the wood is brought, and then all of the different items for the cooking is brought. Aval, im However, if someone first put the pot down, notice how here there isn't a fire there initially. The same thing if someone, the same thing but backwards. If someone put the pot down, and then someone came and put, poured water, then someone came and put meat, and then someone came and put spices, and then someone came and put uh, the, the, um, the light that they would kindle a fire with, and then someone came and put the wood, and then someone came and stirred. Only the last two would be liable for cooking, because in this case, the fire is only existence in the second to last stage. And it is not considered cooking until there is a fire. If one placed meat on top of coals, meaning roasting, if the meat was roasted, uh, the equivalent of a gerogeret, even if it was two or three places, he would be liable. If it, however, if uh, it was not cooked, the equivalent of a gerogeret, however, if the entire piece of meat was cooked halfway, one would be liable. However, if it was cooked on, half cooked only on one side, one would be exempt. Until the meat would be flipped and half it would be half cooked on both sides. If someone forgot and uh, stuck bread onto the uh, oven on, Shab on Shabbat, as we mentioned before, they would back in the day and still today in the shuk, uh, they, the process of making bread would be that they would take dough and stick it to the side of the oven. So if one did that on Shabbat and he forgot to remove it before it was baked, uh, one may remove it. It won't uh, be liable for the Melcha of Afia. Halacha Vav. Hamatich echad matachot kol If someone melted a type of metal any amount, or if one heated um, a metal until it was red hot like coal, uh, in order they would do this back in the day in order to shape the metal. One would be liable for as one would be liable as it is a derivative of bishul. Miss, uh, mimasmis, sorry. 
וכן הממסמס את הדונג, או את החלב, או את הזפת, או את הכופר, והגופרית וכיוצא בהן, הרי זה תולדת מבשל. So to anyone who melts דונג is a type of beef fat, or the חלב, חלב was the fat that was in the innards of the animal, which is actually a sort to be eaten for some animals, or את הזפת, tar, or כופר is another type of tar, and גופרית is brimstone, in order to soften Uh, these, uh, they would do this again back in the day in order to soften it um, after, and they would soften it by heating it. <coughs> and any, <coughs> and anything of the sort, it would, this would constitute a derivative of Bishul. Uh, so too, anyone who uh, cooks a vessel made out of earth in order for it to become clay, one would be liable. And again, they would do this back in the day. Now Haram gives us uh, the rule. If one weakened a soft substance using a fire, or if one softened a Uh, a uh, harder substance, uh, again with a fire, one would be liable uh, for bishul, again just as we mentioned with the metal. Now we move to uh, the different melachot that have to do specifically with making clothes. And back in the day they would make clothes, and still today by uh, shearing sheep, and all the processes that we'll describe in the following halachot. Halacha zayin. Ha-gozez tzemer o se'ar. Anyone who shears wool or hair. Ben min ha-behema, ben min ha-haya, ben min ha-hai, ben min ha-met. Afilu min ha-shelach shelahen ha-yav. If it was a hair from a domesticated animal or a wild animal or from an animal that was alive, or an animal that was dead, even from, if, even if a hair was taken from skin that isn't attached to the animal, one would be liable. How much uh, would one be, need to shear or remove the hair for one to be liable? In order, the amount would be, uh, the amount needed to spin a thread that would be the, Equivalent of two of double a seat. How much is the seat? Kedelim toach min bohen shlayad ad haetzba rishona keshiyiftah benehen bechol kulo. One the the amount the amount the length of a seat must be it is around it is about the length. Between the thumb and the pointing finger, when they are stretched out, as much as they can be stretched out, and it is about two thirds of the zeret. Zeret is the pinky. One who removes the wing from a chicken, it would be a derivative of gozes. If One spins wool from an animal that's alive. 
שאין דרך כזיזה בכך. It is as uh, spinning and shearing, shearing rather, is not typically done uh, directly uh, like this. Rather, the hair is first removed and then it is spun. ואין דרך ניפוץ בכך. And ניפוץ is also not typically done by this. ניפוץ is when they would hit the wool uh, with a stick or with uh, something else in order to separate the fibers of the wool and make the wool soft. ואין דרך טביעה בכך. And spinning is not typically done uh, directly from the animal. Rather, the hair is cut again and, uh, and the, it would be spun after it was cut. Some of these halachot uh, aren't so relevant, however, this halacha is pretty relevant. Anyone who removes uh, fingernails or hair, uh, either from anywhere in his body or from his mustache or his beard, uh, this is a derivative of geziza. And it is, and one would be liable as Geziza is removing hair from an animal. Here, removing hair or fingernails is, a, uh, is pretty similar to that. However, it must be done uh, in order for one to be liable, it must be done with a kili, uh, with a type of vessel or intermediary like scissors or a finger, finger uh, or a clipper or a fingernail uh, remover, uh, whatever that's called. However, if it was removed by hand, if it was removed by hand by uh, the individual whose hair, whom, whose, hair, whose hair it is, or if it was removed by someone else, it, they are patur, they are exempt, but it is still asur midrabanan. So to anyone who removes a wart from his skin, ben bayad ben bikli patur, if it was removed by hand or with a kli, he is patur. Ben lo ben leacher, if it was done by himself or by someone else, also. Was, they both are patur. Mutar lachtoch yabolet mamikdash bayad, aval lo bichli. An interesting exception. It is permissible to cut a wart in the bet mikdash by hand, however, not with a uh, kli. However, if it, the wart was dry, one may remove it even with a kili, and the kohen may, uh, and he may uh, worship. Clearly, uh, it is um, referring to a kohen, as it says, the oved, as only the kohenim would do the avodah. And a wart would be considered a mum for a kohen. And if a kohen has a wart, he would be prohibited to worship in the Beit He would be prohibited to work in the Beit Hamikdash, and the isur for cutting a wart is uh, is derabanan because of shivut, and there is no isur of shivut in the Mikdash, as we'll see Bezat Hashem in the halachot of shivut. Therefore, it is a lot permissible for a kohen to remove uh, the wart. <clears throat> if someone removes hair with a kili, how much must he remove in order for him to be liable? He would be liable 
once he removes two hairs. If one removed uh, white hair from black hair, obviously refer in reference to men, even if he removed one, he would be hayav. As we mentioned in Hilchot Abu Dazara, Perik Yod Bet Halachayod, that it would it is derech nashim to remove white hair from black hair, and even if he removes one, he would be hayav. If you have a nail that was mostly uh, cut off or uh, pieces of skin uh, that are mostly, again, uh, cut off or it's hanging, if they were, uh, if the majority of it was hanging, upwards and it is bothering the individual he would be allowed to remove them with his hand however not with a kili and if it was removed with a kili he would be exempt however if they were not bothering him even to remove it by his hand he would it would be prohibited so too, if uh, the majority of it was not removed, even if it was bothering him, it is prohibited for him to remove by hand. And if he removes it with a kili, he would be liable. As you mentioned before, Libun uh, is when they would put the wool in water, and rub it against itself, and wring the wool in order to whiten it. And again, the water was typically very hot. So if one did libun with wool or with linen or with silk or any type of these any material similar similar to this that people would typically uh, do libun for, he would be liable. How much would he need to do in order to be liable? One would be liable <coughs> and he would, he would need to, uh, one would be liable only once he spins, he does enough to spin the length of a thread that is equal to double the handbreadth of a seat. You mentioned before what a seat is. It is about four uh, hand breaths. <clears throat> no, we are in. No, still in halacha Yeah. Anyone who launders clothes. It is a derivative of the boon and one would be liable. If one wrings clothes, uh, that water comes out of the clothes, one would be liable as it is uh, laundering the laundering the As wringing is one of the elements necessary for laundering. Just like mixing is one of the elements necessary for cooking. 
and this is also extremely relevant, that there is no ringing. Ringing is not, in, you, there's no ringing when it comes to hair. And this is the same, uh, the same applies for skin uh, as there is, as if one rings skin uh, or even possibly leather, uh, one would not be for ringing. And again, this is because when they would make cloth, uh, we're only, never mind. <laughs> and we mentioned before the end of Halachazain, uh, what Minapit is. And Niputz would basically be when they would hit the wool with a stick or something else of the sort to separate the fiber of the wool and to make the wool. Soft. So I mean, so anyone who does any puts with wool or linen or silk or anything of the sort would be liable. How much would he need to do puts in order to be liable? <clears throat> in order for him to be able to spin one uh, string, or and the string would have to be four tefahim long. And if someone pounds uh, tendons and makes them in order to make them soft and thin, uh, just like tzemer, uh, a string of wool, in order to spin them, one would be liable as it is a toleda of niputz. Yod gimel. If someone dies a uh, string that it is that is four tefahim long, or something else that uh, one would be able to spin uh, from this from this type of string, he would be um, he is he would be liable. Or rather, a material from which a th thread of this length can be spun, rather, you would be liable. One would only liable uh, for tzeviah, for dyeing, one, only once he uses a dye that is permanent. However, a dye that is not permanent. However, if one used um, a dye that does not last, for example, sarak or shashar, they're both two types uh, of uh, two shades of red. They would put on metal or bronze, and they would color it or dye it. Patur one would be exempt as he is only as he is not doing so uh, purposely, and it, the color here is only being used for temporary, only being used temporarily. And he's not dying anything. An important rule Haram is giving us any melacha, any transformation 
um, that uh, does not endure uh, and does not stay for a long period of time uh, is uh, exempt. But again, it is still a sur uh, from Hahamim. Yodaled. If someone makes color, typically they would mix colors together or mix different things, as we'll see, uh, with uh, different colors in order to change the color, to brighten it or to darken it. It is a derivative of tsovea, and one would be liable. How so? If, for example, someone took kankantos as a type of salt and he put it in a type of brownish dye, thereby making it, thereby mixing it and making it black. Or if someone took a type of blue dye and mixed it with yellow dye, it would make green. Anything of this sort. How much would one need to mix in order to be liable? In order for the, he would need to mix uh, a concoction of this sort in order to be hayav, uh, in order to, sorry, the amount that he would need to spit to mix in order to be hayav would be. Uh, a thread that is that is four tefahim long. And again, notice Harambam gave two examples. One example of a type of material or element that it is that is mixed with the dye, or two different dyes and that are mixed together. Anyone who spins a thread four handbreadths long out of any material that is typically used for spinning, he is liable. Whether one spun wool or linen or down or hair or tendons or anything of the like. Anyone who makes felt, which is, which is strands of wool that were stuck together, <coughs> that they would use, uh, it is a derivative of tove, and one would be liable. And this is only, uh, again, provided that he spun four handbreadths long of about medium thickness that could be spun from the material, amount of material that was felted. One who makes two heddle leashes is liable. And again, as we mentioned before, heddle uh, leashes were basically... Um, you can look it up on Google. It'd probably be the best way you can see. It would. It was. Um, <clears throat> Heddle leashes were the type of metal circles that they would use in order for the thread to pass through while spinning.
העושה נפה או כברה או סל או סבכה, או שסרג מיטה בחבלים, הרי זה תולדת עושה נירין, ומי שיעשה שני בתים באחד מכל אלו, חייב. If one makes a sifter or a sieve or a basket or a hairnet or weaves a couch of ropes, uh, this constitutes uh, making uh, heddles. And once he makes two meshes of one of the of one of the materials mentioned, he would be liable. And so to any, <coughs> anything, anyone, who, whenever one makes two heddle leashes in any article constituting meshes, just like the materials mentioned above, he would be liable. <coughs> הלכה י"ז, דרך האורגין שמותחין החוטין תחילה ואורך היריעה וברוחבה, ושניים אוחזין זה מכאן וזה מכאן, ואחד שובת בשבט על החוטין ומתקן אותו זה בצד זה, עד שיעשה כולה שתי בלא ערב. Basically the way the weavers back in the day would do it is that they would typically begin by stretching the warp threads <coughs> according to the length and breadth of the fabric. And they would do so while two people would hold the ends of the threads, and a third person would press the threads with rods and linen, rods and rod and lines, and line them up pro- with a rod, rather. Shevet is a rod. And they would line them up properly, side by side, until they all lie in the direction of the warp, and none are crossed. Just a little bit of terminology. Sheti is warp, and Sheti is strands that would go vertically. Erev are strands that would go horizontally. And the way that they would stretch, the weavers, the way the weavers would stretch uh, the threads and the strings is called Hansachat HaMasicha. וזה המותח נקרא מסך, and that who stretches is called the מסך, וכשכופלין אותו, rather, and when, when, the th- when the threads are stretched, it is called מסך, וכשכופלין אותה, הוא מתחיל להכניס הערב בשתי, נקרא אורג. And once the threads are crossed over, and he begins to put in the horizontal uh, strings, or woof, into the warp, which is a vertical strings, that is called weaving or arikoreg. And the person who, who does the, sorry, the person who stretches is called the mesech, and the person who crosses and folds over the warp threads, and the woof is introduced into the warp, again, the woof is the horizontal strings, the person who does this action is called the oreg, the weaver. י"ח, המסך חייב, והיא מלאכה מאבות מלאכות. The one who mounts the warp is liable, as it is one of the אבות מלאכות, one of the principal transformations that we mentioned. והשובת על החוטין עד שהתפרקו והתקנם, הרי זה תולדת מסך. If one presses the threads until they are separate and lines them up properly, this... Uh, is a 
toleda of mesech. Vechamashiuran, how much uh, would be required for them to be liable? Mishi yitaken rohav shete itzbaot, when the threads have been lined up to the width width of two finger breadths. Vechen haoreg shenechutin berohav shete itzbaot hayav. So too, anyone who weaves two threads, the length of two finger breadths, would be liable. Ben she'aragan betehila, ben she'ayam mikitzat abeged arug, ve'aragan ha'arig shi'uro shetehutin. And it doesn't matter if um, the threads were already woven, or if part of the cloth was already woven, and you simply add to the already made cloth. The minimum amount is two. Threads, and one would be hayav uh, for that for two threads again. And if someone threaded or weaved one string, but he completed the making of that cloth or that beged garment, he would be hayav. If one weaved two threads at the selvage, at the <coughs> at the selvage, is at the end of the at the end of the uh, the end of the uh, thing that they would use to uh, make. Basically, it was the end of the machine, um, which is the sefat the, the machine that you use to weave. If one, again, weaves two threads at the end of the machine to a width of three heterolishes, he is also hayab. What is this similar to? It is analogous to weaving part of a narrow tape three heterolishes uh, wide. If one presses the threads and keeps them separate during the weaving, it would he would be liable as it is a toleda of weaving. So to one who braids yarn, it would one would be liable for ariga for toleda of ariga. And he would be liable once he makes a piece that it is that is two finger breaths long. One who removes two threads would be liable. One who removes the threads, when we say that, we're referring to someone who separates something woven. It doesn't matter if uh, one removed the horizontal or the vertical strings or the woof or the warp. It is con it, this constitutes removing, and he would be liable, provided that his <clears throat> or if he put the shati on top of the Arab, if he put the uh, vertical above the um, the horizontal string, it is botzea, and he would be hayab. 
And as you mentioned before, any melecha that is done destructively, one would be exempt. So if one uh, removes the threads, it must be for the purpose of uh, fixing the cloth. It's just like those who sew uh, garments that are uh, pretty uh, thin. That they would take apart uh, the strings and only then would they re-sew it. And once they remove and take apart the cloth, they would go back and re-sew it until the two garments are made into one. And one who undoes uh, a braid in order to fix it would be liable, as it is a derivative of botzea, and the amount would be the same amount that we mentioned before for botzea, which is two threads.